Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast, supported uh, every week by Rehoy and Son. Our thanks to them for their support of the show. Uh, coming up this week, we'll reflect on the big news out of St. Martins. Head coach Leon Meekin steps down at Blanche Pierre Lane. That's where there was an extraordinary match as well on Saturday night with Velrec coming from four goals down um, to beat the Channel Island champions at 5-4. Reaction to that to come from Gareth Prevo, who was there, and Velrec's Glenn Letissier and Mark Romerill. Um, we'll also round up the rest of the latest action uh, and I think we'll also touch on a trip to Jersey that James Faller took on Sunday more on that to come my name is Tony Kerr and James joins me on the show this week hi James hi Tony good to see you um, let's start with the news out of St Martin's then just read the statement that Saints put up on Facebook if you missed it um, it reads it is with great regret that St Martin's AC LBG announces the stepping down of Leon Meakin as head coach Leon has been the head coach for five years which which in this day and age is simply incredible. He's shown outstanding commitment, enthusiasm, and has given a significant amount of time to this job. Leon has, of course, brought great success back to the club, including becoming Channel Island champions and the incredible feat of going unbeaten last year on top of many other trophies. All of the directors, players and supporters thank Leon and wish him well in the future. Um, the club can announce that from today, Jason Lehman will be our interim coach for the next three matches. Jason has been assistant coach Leon this season so far um the club say it'll make a further announcement in due course um yeah bit of a shock of course at the end of last week um Leo Meakin achieved yeah a huge amount um with Saints in that time yeah you know as it mentioned in the statement last season you know the crowning highlight of that Challenge champions and, and going unbeaten um yeah Jim it was an amazing run I can't disagree with the, with a word of the statement I think um you know for any coach to to coach top top flight football whether you have success or not for five seasons shows tremendous uh, dedication and commitment to the cause anyway the fact that uh, Leon took a team to such um uh, to such successes and you know uh, uh, maintained his sense of humor and was a decent chap along the way uh, you know it all all credit to him um yeah yeah I can only think it must be difficult when you, you know, when you've got a team that's effectively swept the board how do you keep uh, something like that going um i know obviously sylvan's managed it for nine seasons 20 odd years ago but must be uh in in the modern game particularly as well when everybody else is you know trying to up, up their game all the time must be very difficult once you set those standards to try and maintain them and you just slip a little bit and suddenly it sometimes it can feel like the wheels are, are falling off um, I, I don't know the, uh, the the full reasons for for departure, but you know it does seem that Saints have you know just not quite hit a wall by any means, but you know just uh, wobbling a little bit at the moment, and uh, be interesting to see how they you know get back and uh, and see if they can return to the levels they were at six months ago. Rob Batiste has been collating some of the, the great club sides in the uh, the paper on Saturday. Uh, continues, um, still a couple more to go. Yeah, clearly, you know, those are sides that did it over a sort of you know a longer period of time. But in terms of one off seasons um, to go unbeaten and win the the Upton, um, will surely rank as, as one of the best in the club's history. Um, so yeah, we wish uh, Leon all the best with whatever he does next. Um, but up at Blanche Pierre Lane on Saturday. 
when Dom Yeom scored four goals um, to put Saints 4-0 up against Rec. Um, I'm sure the uh, Saints supporters must have been thinking, you know, sort of a- a- as normal, if you were. Um, but uh, yeah, fairly extraordinary uh, sequence of events followed um, Saints down to 10 men uh, by that point at half time, And, and Verrek coming back um, to win 5-4. Uh, an astonishing result for them, an astonishing um, game in the FNB Premier League. Um, Gareth Leprevo was there and uh, he's supposed to be off on holiday this week, but we dragged him in um, to tell us what happened. Gareth, thanks for coming in on your week off. <laughs> it was worth it for this one game, Tony. Well, exactly. When we saw the scoreline, um, Jim and I were at Pride of Guernsey Awards and uh, yeah, saw it sort of filtering through. Um, yeah, quite unbelievable turnaround that you witnessed. How do you make sense of it? Um, it was it was just quite... Um, it was When you say it was quite a strange turnaround... To be honest, I mean, Saints thoroughly deserved to be 3-0 up within 25 minutes. Once they went down to 10, and the way the wind was blowing, you thought Wreck might have a chance. When it's 3-0, and they had sort of like a man advantage for the next, basically, best part of an hour, you think they might get a chance. It was when um, Dom Yeoman scored his fourth and Saints' fourth, sort of just before half-time, you're thinking, well, well, surely Wreck can't come back from this. But as soon as they got a goal early in the second half and they had the wind behind them and Saints were struggling to get hold of the ball, you just thought they could get something from this game. Um, yeah, it's, it was just a case of building momentum. It just built and built and built. And just as soon as they scored the second, then the third, you just think, well, there's only one team going to win this. And sure enough, the only time Saints really got out their half was when they were 5-4 down and they almost managed to get another equaliser at the other end late on. But it, it was just an incredible sort of game to be at. And yeah, like I say, um, I, I just walked away almost feeling sorry for Dom Yeom. He was sort of so good for, for the first half. He scored four goals. And you're thinking, how on earth has he ended up on the, on the losing side? And funnily enough, as I, I crossed the pitch, I was watching from the sort of like the far side where the, the trees have been cut down now. Um, I crossed the pitch at the end of the game to go and speak to the, the Vale Rec guys. And Dom came back out on the pitch to do his warm down. And I, and I sort of looked at him and I, I didn't know what to say. I felt like saying well played, but he might have taken that the wrong way considering they're just lost. Um, it was, yeah, it was just a, an extraordinary night. And yet for most of the second half, you could just sort of see it happening. It was just that everything was going sort of in uh, Rex's favour at that point. And yeah, they just, they just took the momentum, just built on it. And it was like a snowball effect. It really was. And it was Thiago Rodriguez, I think he got the winner, wasn't it? Um, yeah. What were the scenes like when that went in? Um, I, think, I think it was more the equaliser that really, because the equaliser was such a screamer, it was Jacob um, Marston Pipe sort of cut in from the right wing. He'd been playing right wing all game cut in and he hit just a thunderbolt which um, poor Isaac Heaton-Jones he's a, a junior in goal for Saints I think in probably his first game for the Saints Prio side he had absolutely no chances this thing flew into the top corner and as it as it hit the net just you could hear the the, the wreck bench went up and just all in unison and um, that's there's still 10 minutes to go so you think you think at that point there will be a winner at this point and yeah, to be fair to Thiago, he, he had a, a really good shot, which sort of went in off the inside of the post. I mean, there was no chance of that being saved either. Um, I think the funniest thing, though, um, from the whole game was in the 92nd minute, um, a flag went up for a, sa- a Saints offside. And everyone in the ground saw the flag go up. Every single, pl- uh, every single player, everyone barring Seb Skillen. <laughs> 
And as the referee blew the whistle because for the offside, Seb thought it was the full-time whistle, he starts screaming, yes! <laughs> and then he re- halfway through the yes, he realises that nobody else is going up. And so he very quickly and very sheepishly just went, yes, it's offside. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just, it was just a really great moment as well. But uh, yeah, it, was, it really was, um, it sort of tops off what was an extraordinary game. Yeah, well styled out from Seb. And um, wh- what about the reaction from Saints then? Because it's been obviously a very difficult uh, sort of 10 days or so for you know the Channel Island champions a heavy defeat over in Jersey um, Leon Meakin stepping down as, as coach who guided them to such success in the last couple of years um, and then yeah followed up with a, a real sort of gut punch in this one yeah I, I, I think to be honest the way the second half was going like I say it almost felt inevitable that they were, they were going to lose the game by the time it, and so they I don't want to say they were resigned to their fate I mean they were still defending the, as, as hard as they could but the way that it was a strong wind and any time they sort of tried to clear the ball it was just basically holding up in the wind and coming straight back at them um, and so yeah it was just uh, they weren't um, obviously very disappointed with the result but I don't think there was huge sort of machinations in the in the dressing room afterwards um, the, the, going down to 10 men sort of after 38 minutes as it was definitely sort of it, it was a big blow to them it definitely changed the game in that regard um, it was one of those challenges where as soon as Rory Moriarty made it my initial thought was, you could be in trouble here, mate, because it was one of those sort of challenges where he leads with one foot and the other one comes sort of sweeping in and, and it just ended up in a total pile-up almost in the middle. And um, straight away, Wreck wanted the red card, totally understandable. Speak to any saint afterwards, they were thinking it might not have even been a yellow card because it was sort of like, it was just a hefty challenge. It was one of those, but it was one of those that in this day and age, you're not surprised that a red card was shown. Um but yeah, I mean, and that happened at 3-0. And Saints were obviously dominating at that point with the conditions and the fact that Domion was just on, on fire at the time. And um, to be fair, Rec reacted well. They started going forward at the end of the first half and then they ca- got caught by the sucker punch. I mean, it was basically Rec were totally on the attack. Um, Alex Russell came back and won the ball. And just it was almost a clearance, but aimed in the general direction of Domion. And Dom just sort of like showed great pace, great power, went and won the ball and then basically was in a almost like a two-on-one. He ended up sort of sitting down the keeper, sitting down the defender. And it was just a just a masterclass in how to finish a, in that situation. And at 4-0, even Val Rey, I mean, I, I spoke to Mark Romwell briefly afterwards and he, he said that goal, I thought it ended our chances. At 3-0, they thought they had a chance with Saints down to 10 and the conditions in their favour second half. But... The fourth goal surely sort of was going to kill them off, but no, their their reaction in the second half was was um, uh, you know exemplary, and um, I'm sure um, as Romers and Glenn Latisse will tell you, there were some harsh words at half time by all accounts, and uh, there was there was quite a lot going on in the dressing room, um, but they obviously all took it in the right in the manner in which it was meant because they came out and performed excellently after after the turnaround. Yeah, what an amazing result! I know you guys have been poring over the old books. Um, not the first time we've seen a, a five four comeback win from four 0 down. No, remarkably, um, I recalled in the mid nineties that former colleague of ours at the Guernsey Press, Mark Duncan, made his debut for Rangers Prio at the track. Uh, against Vale Rec and they were 4-0 down at half time and Mark scored on his debut as a breakaway goal at the end uh, to win uh, for Rangers to win 5-4 
So I recall that that game. And then since I've had a further notification that another former colleague uh, was in, was heavily involved in a, a dramatic comeback. This take goes right back to 1974, Rovers' first season in the, in the Prio League. When uh, I think in this case they were five one down against uh, sorry four one down against North uh, and um, went on to win five four. This was only for, I think Rovers' second ever Prio win uh, and uh, Rob Batty scored four of those five goals. So uh, we have had a couple of instances before. Yeah, amazing. Well, it's a shame Rob's not here to tell <laughs> us about it. I'm sure he'd have uh, some very fond memories of that day. Yeah. Uh, one thing I should really mention also is the fact that typically in a in a game like this there's also a controversial goal right in the. Middle. <laughs> middle of it the second goal um, Glenn, uh, Glenn Sissi had scored the first for Wreck uh, early in the second half then midway through the second half it was the only sort of like scrappy goal of the game really and um, it was a bit of a melee in, in the Saints box and um there's a lot of bodies in my way, so I didn't really see it clearly. All I saw was Glenn and Tissier basically poke the ball home, toe poke it home from sort of close range. But as he did so, all of the Saints players were, were up in arms saying he'd handballed it in, in the sort of build-up. I, I never saw it, but certainly speaking to him afterwards, he, he had a little grin on his face. So I think it must have probably hit his arm along the way. And of course, that didn't help Saints' mood after the game. But uh, the rest of the rec goals, certainly the, the sort of the three after that, um, Louis Travers really really clever little flick to score the third and yeah like I say the last two goals I mean Jacob Malstrom Pipe's goal was an absolute screamer and Thiago Rodriguez just hit an abs- just hit a great shot which um, was never going to be saved by anybody they needed about th- four keepers to have saved it so uh, yeah it was just uh, Fair play to Wreck. It was just a, a, a great performance in that second half. And um, you imagine they build on that momentum now. It's, it's certainly something they can live off for a while. Well, we're going to hear from Mark Romerill and Glenn Letissier, um in a moment. Uh, just while we got you, Gareth, I mean, they'll obviously be hugely buoyed by a result like this. Uh, I mean, are they in the title race? Is it too early to say? Um, I think... Um, after speaking to Glenn after the game, they're still too inconsistent to be in the title race. They'll have a say in the title race because they're capable of doing stuff like this. But as he said, I mean, the game against North earlier in the season, they were very, very average, and that's putting it mildly. Uh, North absolutely hammered them 7-0. Um, and then sort of a week or so later, they go and beat Velrec go and beat Sylvans 5-0. So that, that's sort of the, where Velrec are at the moment. They, they are capable of putting in some very good performances. They don't do it week in, week out yet. So um, they, they will, I, I imagine, they, they could be pushing for a wee-way spot by the end of the season. Um, but they certainly um, need pretty much their, their full side out every week. I mean, certainly when Louis Travis didn't play in that game against North, and that made a huge difference to them. It sort of affected the whole balance of their side as well. So they're at the stage now where they're building nicely. I think Mark Rommel will be positive uh, with what he's seen so far, sort of having taken over in the summer. Um, I'd be amazed if they uh, won the title this season. Well, thanks for coming in. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week yeah. off. Thank you. I'm, I'm <laughs> heading off to London now. You're in overtime today, <laughs> double, uh, double time. Yeah. Uh, you say you're at Palace Wolves? Yes, I've, uh, uh, another former colleague of ours who's, a, I think, a season ticket holder at Crystal Palace, Aaron Schoons. I'm, I'm meeting up with him in London and he, he was delighted to t- inform me that he'd managed to get me a ticket for, <laughs> for that big game. So what a treat. I, yeah, um, anyone putting any money on it, you can probably bet there's going to be a nil-nil now that I'm going. So, um, But uh, yeah, I'm quite looking forward to going and see some, um, some Premier League football rather than Premier League for a change. Yeah, well, enjoy it and we'll see you next week. Cheers, guys. 
Gareth witnessing an absolute Prio Classic at Blanche Pierlane um, on Saturday. Those are the, uh, the the games you want to be at, Jim. We were at the Pride Again's Awards, um, which was uh, you know a very special evening in its own right. But as football fans, when you you think about the sort of nil nils that you endure on the touchline, uh, yeah, those are the ones you don't want to miss. Uh, yeah, yeah, I suppose so. There's um, yeah, there's a great. Easy to write a narrative. I bet it didn't take, uh, well, apart from notching all the goals up, I bet it didn't take like, Gareth Long to write it. <laughs> um, elsewhere, a lot of goals around the league um, this weekend. A massive win for North against Sylvans, 8-1. Um, that one finished. A big win as well for Rovers over Rangers, 7-0. And a good win for Bells uh, in Alderney, 3-0. It finished to them there. Um, so North stay top of the table, 12 points. Bells uh, also on 12 points. Uh, not quite as good a goal difference rovers with a game in hand on those two on 10 and Valrec on 10 points as well saints are down in fifth with a game in hand on six points even if they win it they'll uh, stay fifth um yeah an interesting start to the season there would you say saints are out of the running now no absolutely not i mean the, the fact that the, the you know the, the prior league nowadays is kind of about as um, competitive as the efl championship isn't it which is you know i would say the best league in the world um uh, and so you know the fact that you know, most you know, there's a good chance that you get an, you could get an upset on uh, on any given saturday afternoon is is what it's it's what uh, maintains the attraction of the, of the of the current Premier League in these GFC days. You know the, the competition um, on on every on every match is there. That's why it's a little wee bit disappointing to see sevens and eights rattled up um, this weekend. You know I'd prefer to see games that are uh, that are, are truly competitive. But I'm, I'm sure that those that those sides will uh, will write write their problems as well in due course. Yeah, you mentioned GFC there. Um, uh, a difficult week for them. A 2-0 defeat at Footslane on Sunday against Uxbridge. That coming after an extraordinary um, game on Monday night at Mersham. The Green Lions 2-0 up in that one going into... Uh, Injury time at the uh, at the ninety, and somehow managing to draw it to all. Um, after sorry, the equaliser in particular was um, was a fantastic effort. Um, not much Jason Martin could have done about it, but uh, they will have been absolutely gutted not to be able to find a way to win that match um, because it leaves GFC second bottom still in the Isthmian South Central, just four goals to their name. One of a few clubs uh, at the bottom there on six points. That's the thing. I think you can look at um, at the league table uh, for GFC, and you realise. You know, while you could make an argument to say they're in relegation uh, trouble, they're also a, a batch of teams around them, and you feel at the moment GFC probably need you know just need a break. You know, they need to score a couple of goals, they need to hang on and win a game. And um, you know, when momentum is with you and dragging you down, or sorry, is not with you and is dragging you down, as seems to be the case at the moment. You know, the Merston game could have changed, could have turned things around, but obviously, you know, again. You're losing points in in later on in games. Then you know you, you play on Sunday at home. Nothing really goes right for you. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those days. But you can't afford to have too many one of those days. But you know, look at what's around them. You know, I think you've got to have uh, confidence to believe that they could get out of this uh, this problem. But the the, the issue. For, for GFC, well, I think it's still you know, scoring goals and, and grabbing a couple of consecutive results, which will start to lift confidence and lift the, lift the team and the whole uh, whole outfit. 
Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. If you're not already, do give us a follow on social media at GSY Press Sport. Um, it's the place to go, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And of course, pick up a paper six days a week for the very best local football coverage and the very best local sports coverage in general. Um, right, we wanted to uh, reflect on the weekend's uh, results and really um, yeah, the only place um, to, to go into a bit more detail really was Velrec after that extraordinary um, win on Saturday night. So we invited in Glenn Atissier and Mark Romerall. Mark, who took over a course after coaching Manza um, in the summer. And Glenn, um, a, a real stalwart of Velrec over the last few years and uh, someone, in fact, who was involved there and with GFC on Sunday. So plenty to reflect on with him. Glenn, Mark, welcome to the pod. Hello, Tony. Hello, Hello. James. Thanks very much for coming in. Uh, smiles still uh, kind of writ large across your face. Um, just take us back to Saturday night. Uh, I mean, Mark, let's come to you. Watching on from the bench, um, <laughs> what was it like? That's an absolute nightmare, to be honest. With you. <laughs> um, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, we were we were terrible first half. Um, we, we thought it couldn't get any worse, and we were three 0 down. And then they had a player sent off, and we still managed to concede another goal. Which I said to Malcolm at the time, well, that's pretty much the nail in the coffin. So, um, yeah, four 0 at half time, um, and it was an interesting uh, it was an interesting dressing room at half time. So, um, made a few changes, uh, tweaked a few things, and came out second half and. Uh, yeah, the rest is history, I guess. Yeah, for you, Glenn, on the pitch, um, when, when did the sort of tide start to turn and, and did you kind of get a sense that, you know, there might be a comeback on? Yeah, to be fair, I think as soon as yeah my first goal went in, the sort of the beliefs just started flowing through. Saints, the wind was like blowing into there and, and um, they just couldn't really get out. We were having lots of possession, creating quite a lot of chances and stuff. So as soon as that first one went in, we were just a different team. It's like it needed us to score to start playing football because the first half we were dreadful, <laughs> like really, really bad. It was one extreme to the other. Um, yeah, I said one of the worst 45 I've played in in a yellow shirt to literally probably the best. <laughs> Um, yeah, half time was interesting, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, uh, a fair bit said. Well, I think it was just frustration. I think the boys had come in, they'd come in off the back of a, a good win against Sylvans the week before. Um, and we'd had previous because we'd lost 7 0 against North. And sort of, so to come in at 4 0 down against Samarns, not, you know, we were just disappointed and frustrated uh, with, with how we performed in the first half and just didn't manage the conditions because, like Glenn says, there was quite a, um, a, there was quite a wind blowing down the pitch. And I think we just didn't manage and accept the fact that actually coming in one or two down might not be a bad result at half time because you know that wind was quite significant so yeah then you said um you know one of the best 45s that you've had in a yellow shirt i mean obviously you know you've had a couple of fa cup uh, wins um that you've been involved in but as a sort of one-off occasion one-off game um where does it rank in the uh, matches you've been involved in yeah definitely right up there i mean yeah the fa cup finals stranger finals um they're obviously high up there because you get silverware at the end but cup finals aren't always free-flowing attacking football and um yeah saturday night for that 45 was just perfect for well for me as a forward player um and the way we played we just kept the ball so well playing in pockets bouncing off each other um so in terms of the actual yeah the way we played and the way we attacked it it's better than any of those cup finals because they tend to be more battles and, mm. and scraps and just get the trophy <laughs> What was your favourite moment? Gareth was speculating that uh, he thought maybe the equaliser was perhaps almost more of a thrill than the uh, than the winner. Oh, I don't know. I think the winner we were all on the bench, ran over to the bench and jumping around, weren't we? Jacob's equaliser was 
pretty good finish, though. I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the problem, I said to Malcolm, when it got to four, I said, to, I turned to him and said, what, what are we actually going to do if we score the fifth? Because we've got no defenders left out there. And, um, of course, we scored the fifth goal, and it, it was just mayhem. And then the reality quickly dawned that actually we were going to come up against a bombardment from St Martin's for the next seven or eight minutes and we had I think three defenders left at our disposal because we'd taken them all off in order to get back in the game so that was presented quite an issue for me at that point so yeah we were talking about before you know a couple of other five fours um, but to do it yeah against the reigning Channel Island champions um, at Blanche Pierre Lane that make it all the more special yeah definitely I mean I, I even chatting to the lads after the game obviously we know all their players and stuff were in the clubhouse. Even like they've got a lot of experience and a lot of title winners out there. So even down to 10 men, we thought they parked two banks of four and they'll see it out. I mean, we at half time, we didn't even think we would have any chance. If you know what I mean, no. I'll be honest, I had my boots off. I was ready to rest up for the GFC game Sunday, but luckily we've got some good characters in that dressing room now. And, uh, yeah, they put me in my place and we all went out there raring to go, really. Yeah, good stuff. And Romus, I think fair to say it's been uh, yeah, it's been a sort of mixed bag so far. As you say, there was a, that big defeat against North, um, but yeah, a couple of big wins as well. And obviously this one you'll savour, um, I'm sure, for a little while. But um, just give us a sense of how, how you settled in at, at Corbett Field and uh, your, kind of, your reflections on the first few weeks of uh, the campaign. Yeah, I mean, we really enjoyed it. We played five games in the league and, you know, other than the North result, which, you know, credit to North on the day, they were very good. You know, I think people haven't necessarily given them the credit for that performance a lot. You know, I've looked back on that one and thought that's a good a performance I've seen, apart from the 45 minutes that we put in on uh, on Saturday. But no, you know, the other games, the guys have, you know, they've taken a lot on board. I think we've really uh, challenged them in lots of areas. Um, and you know that comeback will only help that because you know a lot of the what we've been addressing is on the mental side of things and the team spirit and the reactions and you know just the you know the desire to push each other on to because we all want the same thing we all want to do well and there's a good group of lads there so you know they really they are being pushed they're being challenged and um, you know I think if anyone had said to us we'd be sat there with ten points from the first five games especially when you consider who we played uh, we played away at North we've played Rovers and we've played St Martins away we'd have absolutely snapped that off their hands off so yeah really pleased the way it's going like I say a great bunch of lads and you know there's plenty to do I mean you know we were 4-0 down so you know you have to look at that as well <laughs> so there's plenty to do but um, yeah it's going well what is the secret? Because end of last year, you know, you were, and Glenn, you know, you were running out of gas, you know, the, the team was kind of going nowhere. It doesn't seem you've actually had that much personnel change in the first team, and yet somehow there's a you know, new spirit throughout the team. It's a total culture change, really, attitude change. Um, when, obviously, Romers was in talks for the job, we met up for a few lunches and I explained how the club is and where we were going wasn't really working too well so it wasn't even the main changes we made haven't even really been football based it's been in terms of professionalising training like fine systems are back in kit um, mm -hmm. all the basics all the controllables that we can control and we've done a few more sort of socials we went to her in pre-season just getting the lads back enjoying it again and being in, in a group rather than just scraping around for teams and then um, we've had a few signings as well which is I said to um, Romers and even Jody at the time I said signing these lads will either give our lads a kick up the backside to actually have to earn their spot now because people have just been sort of if you put your thumbs up you were playing for probably the last 
three, four years now. Um, whereas now we've got competition for places and training is competitive. And they know that if they miss training or they turn up late, all that sort of stuff, their shirt isn't necessarily given to them anymore. And that's me included. <laughs> And as a rec man through and through, that must fill you with, um, yeah, with a lot of kind of enthusiasm and excitement just within yourself that, that you know, things are moving in the right direction again. Yeah, it, it is. It's, um, it's exciting. And yeah, it was good to see on Saturday as well. So Tiago, Louis and Jacob's pretty much like a new signing as well because he's been at uni for three or four years. All three of them scoring and us actually starting to link up properly and, and work together and Sebi Skillen coming back sort of knitted it all together. So having those lads and the attacking threats means that I can play a bit more deeper and in midfield. And um, yes, yeah, we're starting to tick. Um, it's looking really promising. I'm not going to make any predictions or anything like that, but at least we're looking up the table rather than down the table and scraping the barrel for players and getting teams out on a Saturday again. Louis Travis does seem to be the major signing that came from Manza the way the season's going so far is that a fair mark? I think he just gives Valrec a player an option that they probably haven't had you know it's Louis someone who's worked quite hard in his game over the last three or four years probably never scored enough goals you know up until this point but he runs you know the channels very well he gives us a focal point and you know and there's not many of those around so I think he he gets the plaudits because he's I mean he scored five goals so far all of them against Saints actually but you know he gets the plaudits because because of that but it's the team I think he's enabled players around him to improve as well by just having that been having someone that can run in behind and do the channels and he'll he'll chase down causes that people you know wouldn't get he scored a fantastic goal on Saturday I think it was a third goal with a pretty audacious back heel wasn't it um, so he's playing with confidence and you know he's one of these uh, he's a confidence player and if you you know the, the, the more he plays the more goals he scores, the better he will be so he's yeah he's got off to a great start It seems to me he's looking a much better player than he was last season or yeah he's got the players around him you know I mean yeah. you know man's a struggle we had five or six Prio standard players you know this is why you know you come into this team look you've already said Jacob Maston coming back is, is huge Thiago playing being backed with confidence on the other side it gives him confidence and there's, and there's and there's competition for players for places so yeah I mean Louis's done really well he's got off to a really good start hasn't he but he just gives us that you know that, that sort of pace in behind which is you know something that teams just don't like to play against yeah. I love it it does my running for me and I get <laughs> <laughs> get loads more space to to create and play. Yeah, so uh, he's been yeah, like I said, my favourite signing so far. But Thiago's done really well. Um, Jacob and Luke Golion works hard in midfield as well. So they're sort of the main signings we've made. Um, but yeah, we're sort of starting to gel a bit now. Well, we did on Saturday for forty five, but we'll see what happens next week. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, Dan, you say you won't make any predictions. I mean, it's pretty tight at the top, albeit still very early days. Um, you know, most of the sides are obviously playing four or five games so far, but just the two points in it. Um, Rovers could go top if they win their game in hand. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, does it feel like with, with, you know, with Saints, obviously with Miki leaving, um, you know, losing at the weekend, you know, does it feel a bit more open than perhaps you might have thought at the start of the season? Uh, yeah, definitely. I thought the league would be a lot more competitive and tighter games this year. But really, we're seeing the well Saturday. We're seeing the opposite. I don't think anyone's playing with defenders this weekend. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, North will win the league. No question about that. That's just I think that's a given, to be honest. And then I think the rest of us can compete for sort of second, third, fourth. Um, in terms of that's what our aim probably is was to be the best of the rest, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, now we're taking points off Saints if we we nicked 
point off Rovers as well. So what we've got to do is put our foot down against the other teams in and around us and cement our spot there. Um, hopefully we can get back in WeWay in the next year or two, but I'm not going to start saying we're going to win leagues and cups and things like that because I've seen us go from one extreme to the other far too many times. <laughs> And it looks like you've got to turn around at the top flight, as you say. What about the rest of the club, though? Because you were aware that there were, there were a few issues around as well, Mark. When... Yeah, and there's lots going on. I mean, we're sort of, you know, we're looking at the youth structure, um, pathways from, you know, there's a big gap with Valret in terms of the players that they produce and what actually, who actually sticks around and plays into the senior teams. And we've got a gap and we know that and we've acknowledged that. So we're looking at the youth structure. We're making sure that there's a genuine pathway in place for the talented players, because I think we've probably, you know, it would seem to me that we perhaps neglected the, um, or we haven't stimulated the best players that Valret produced over the last sort of five, six, seven years, and that's really important because I'm, you know, I'm in a position now that we don't really have any teenagers that are coming through at senior level, which is a little bit. It's quite scary, you know. So, so yeah, we're looking at the whole thing. We're looking to come in and sort of just you know a fresh pair of eyes coming in and being able to see things slightly different from you know because everybody wants the same thing and there's lots of people doing great stuff and I think it's just a case of getting a bit of connectivity together in in that club so that we start seeing the sort of reward we get the rewards from it at the end so yeah uh, you know there's, there's a lot going on I'm going to mention Rob Thompson as well. He was uh, enjoying the scores as they came in, or at least, uh, you know, as the evening wore on on Saturday Night Pride Awards, nominated for the Sports Volunteer of the Year. Um, Glenn, obviously someone you know well through Griffins as well. Uh, yeah, how much of an impact has he made in terms of, um, you know, the kind of the off-the-field stuff? Um, yeah, definitely. So lads have worn to him really well, um, which is quite surprising. <laughs> now, Jake. Now, um, yeah, I've worked closely with Rob Cricket for Griffins for years. And when um, me and Romers were discussing the team that was potentially coming in with Malcolm, obviously he used to coach me with my dad. And then Rob was a massive part of it. Um, I wanted the three of them, really. Um, I heard whispers that GFC might have been sniffing around him and a couple of other clubs maybe when they heard Manzo were folding. But um, yeah, he's come in, does everything like off the field, if you like, that takes all the pressure off of Rommers, Malks, and even like from us as players, really. So all the kit stuff, he put in about, what, five grand's worth of kit orders and sorting all that so that, um, yeah, Rommers, Malks, Craig... Jody don't have to worry about all that sort of stuff um, just keeps things ticking in the background really and uh, yeah he's not afraid to challenge in terms of the board or if he sees something's wrong which is what we need we need a fresh pair of eyes and um, someone to to get the club going really and we're moving in the right direction so yeah slowly but surely we, we should hopefully get there in time for when our under 13s 14s and 15s start coming through because they are the best of the best in their age groups so we've got a real hopefully got a really good future there if they stick around yeah setting the foundation for sure um got to ask you about gfc as well um you're on the bench uh for saying on sunday I think came off with, um, or came on rather with a few minutes ago. Yeah. Um, disappointing result. So you've been a difficult couple of weeks. What was the atmosphere like amongst the players after that one? Um, not great, <laughs> to be honest. No, so we obviously had great performance around Monday night and that was a bit of a kick in the teeth, but we thought we were heading in the right direction. Um, but yeah, yesterday, just everything went wrong, really. Game plan didn't really go to plan. They were pretty good as well, to be honest. Um, but yeah, back to the drawing board, I think, uh, training this week and, and 
see what Tony can come up with. And what about your own motivations as well? I mean, uh, you know, obviously with Velrec going really well, I know you, you know, you've obviously, um, yeah, you've been around GFC for a little while now and, and you know, had some good moments. I mean, is it tough to juggle both? <laughs> yeah, it is at the moment. <laughs> so at the minute, I'll train with Rack on a Monday, Wednesday, and then GFC on a Tuesday, Thursday. So by the time I get to Saturday, the old legs are aching a bit. But um, yeah, purely and simply, I've spoken to Romans about this this, this season. My, I want to play in the Home Island Games next summer. That's my main aim. I'm on a really good training programme in terms of fitness-wise to try and get into that. So trying to break into the GFC team will, will help that. Um, luckily, we haven't had any clashes yet this season. And uh, I think Binfield away has been postponed now in a couple of weeks as well. So I missed the clash there as well. But yeah, it's going to be a tough one as and when those clashes do occur. I know like Mazza has similar issues at North. Um, it's just going to have to be a case of managing it. But at the moment, we've got characters and a team that if I'm not there, I don't have to worry so much. Whereas... In the past, it was a case of if, I'd just feel guilty if I didn't play. Whereas we can still get results now if uh, if I do have to be away. How do you feel about GFC with with the players sharing GFC and Prio time? Because for a long time that didn't happen. You know, you played for one or the other, really, didn't you? Yeah, well, I think back in those times, for example, all of those players were on a level and knew we were getting the same eleven every week. For example, Tony was just picking the same team, so it was pretty easy for them just to commit to GFC. There's quite a few of us now who are sort of on the fringes, for example. We try and obviously fully commit to GFC, but if you're just getting five, ten minutes off the bench, you still want to get time in for your club. So it is quite hard to juggle at the minute. I know quite a few of us are um, managing to do that at the moment. Um, But yeah, I know Tony would love to have 18 to 20 of us available every single week and every single training session but people want to play football as well there's only 11 spots in, in that team each weekend um so yes yeah, just one of those things how big is this you know we know it's a, it's a big gap leagues wise but how big as a player is the gap between playing gfc and, and playing in the prayer um big physically big all of these lads we play against are massive they're a lot fitter stronger than even we are at GFC. We've had conversations, we'll need to be a bit fitter and things like that. Um, but yeah, it is much more physically demanding is the main thing. Um, technically, I see some of these players that are on however many hundred pounds a week. I don't think they're technically any better than than what we've got. Um, they're just yeah, a bit more streetwise and a lot fitter, stronger and bigger. Uh, but it is a big step up. I even notice it even training with GFC and then training with Verrec the next day or playing a pre match is a massive, massive difference in terms of quality and fitness levels. Yeah, definitely. I said it before on the pod, but I quite like standing behind the goal at GFC and you do get a real sense being that close of how hard you the attacking players have got to work to to kind of earn any right to even kind of get you know get a foot on the ball and, and try and do something. Yeah, well I'll, Obviously, looking it's like Danny Hale and Muzzer and people like that have come into it this year. Um, they obviously bang goals in for fun in the Prio, quite a lot of us do. And then you go into this level, you might not even get one chance every three games at this level. So it's amazing even what Ross does is just <laughs> baffling. But for the rest of us, um, yeah, you might get one chance every three games. You've got to take it and you've got to run probably... 20, 30 kilometres, closing people down and stuff before you even get that one chance. <laughs> Whereas in the Prio, you can be a bit lazy and you know something's going to fall to you probably every half an hour. So, um, yeah, it is it's tough. But 
we'll uh, we'll get there. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, Romers, just back to to Valrec. Um, you got. Oh, a few days off now, I think, at first team level. Um, and then a uh, game against Bells in the league. Obviously, they've started pretty well. And then uh, they're north in the FA Cup. So That's right, yeah. We don't play for two weeks. And we have three games in, <laughs> in the space of a week. So um, we have to balance things up again. Yeah, Bells, next game. And like you say, they've done really well. They've probably perhaps won more games than a few may have expected them to at this stage. So they've done well. So that won't be easy. Then we've got to go back to Northfield um to play them Can't in the fa cup and then uh, i think at the end of that week we've got rangers so yeah big week um couple of, you know we're giving the boys a week off this we got a division one game on wednesday so yeah you know give them a bit of a rest this week get them back into training and focus on those three games which um, we're going to need the squad because there's no way that the same 11 can players can play three games in eight days or seven days or whatever it is so yeah be a chance to give everyone opportunities and they've just got to take those so looking forward to that yeah you got an eye on that north game then yeah definitely after the other week <laughs> but, um, yeah we normally get, got a good record up there especially in recent years but yeah that one was one we need to write um, pretty quickly and they are obviously the favourites and informed team at the moment but if we can play like we did on Saturday I really want to go up there and give them, give them a good go well, uh, yeah, we'll be following it closely, of course. Thanks very much for coming in. And uh, yeah, well, you've got at least got a few days then to, uh, to carry on enjoying that result or recovering from it, I suppose. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank Cheers you. for having us. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Cheers, lads. Mark Romerall and Glenn Letissier speaking to us there. Yeah, Jim, sounds like things are moving in the right direction at REC. Uh, as we said in, in that conversation, um, Vale knew that there were problems within within the setup uh, it's arguably remarkable how quickly they've managed to resolve some of them uh, as I said in, in the question without massive turnover of players so something has, has sparked uh, you know a bit of new life in uh, in a group of players that at the end of last season were going nowhere so uh, fair play to them. And as we heard, not in action for a little while now. Saints, of course, will be licking their wounds from Saturday, um, but they won't have much time to do it. They've got a very busy week. They host Bells um, in the FA Cup on Tuesday night. Uh, maybe Bells will be smelling blood there. Then they have to go to Sylvans on Saturday, the only pre-league game of the weekend, um, before hosting Rovers uh, next midweek. So, yeah, a really busy uh, time for them. And by the end of that run, they could have a new head coach. Uh, you know, the club did say... Three games was Jason Lehman's uh, initial stint, so uh, the Rovers game will be will be a fourth, and that will be uh, quite a, quite a game for a you know, to get a new manager bounce if that becomes the issue. Yeah, in other times, three games might have been like a month, but uh, as it is, it's about a week. So yeah, we'll see how things play out um, at Saints and um, and what they do next in terms of the coaching there. Um, GFC away this weekend; they go to Chipstead on Saturday. And Jim, you're off in Jersey on Sunday with Rovers under-18s. That's right, yeah. So uh, three Guernsey teams have entered the John Tregear uh, Cup in Jersey, which is uh, an under-18 competition. Luckily for North and St Martins, they've both got by, or um, their scheduled first round games have been, uh, they've won them by default. The uh, the other teams have, have scratched for some reason, so I think they're heading to the quarterfinals. Uh, sadly, Rovers won't be joining them. We went down 2-0 to, to St Paul's, who've got... Uh, very decent side, I mean, uh, young side. I think, you know, to be fair, the majority of their players are under 16s, but uh, they just had a little bit too much for, uh, for for Rovers. But the under 18 league in Guernsey is um, is very competitive this season. Um, North, who've dominated that age group through the years, have already drawn with St Martins and drawn with Rovers. So uh, at the moment, it's uh, all up for grabs, as they say. 
and not all bad news because uh, your player's got the first taste of some Domino's pizza. I understand. Yeah, fair play. St Paul's, <laughs> uh, St. Paul's were, were very generous with their hospitality, and uh, and they did uh, you know go and get some uh, deliveries organised from uh, from Domino's. So uh, yeah, I think uh, there's a few people in Jersey who just couldn't believe that that we lived in a uh, in a place with no McDonald's, no KFC, and no Domino's. <laughs> how do we uh, yeah. how do we manage to to, to carry on? <laughs> how do we get through day to day? Well, good to see the uh, Guernsey sides involved in that. Commiserations, of course, to uh, Rovers. Uh, Right, I think that's just about it from us this week. We'll be back next week with uh, more local football coverage. Um, If you're not already, do hit subscribe or follow um, to get every episode of the podcast delivered straight to you. We'll be back every Monday um, throughout the season. And once again, our thanks to Rehoy and Son um, for their support of the show. Uh, Cheers, Jim. We'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks, Tony.